This, how do you get to be illuminated? I'm sure you're all going to want to sign up after you hear this. Okay. The first level is what is called adoption. Now remember this. The devil is a copycat. Because he can't do anything original. All creativity resides in Yahweh. Amen? So once Satan separated himself from Yahweh, there's nothing he could do. He couldn't come up with anything. All he can do is copy. And so since he saw people having these neat born-again experiences, he figured, I want to do that too. And so he came up with this idea of adoption. Because remember, what happens when you get born again? You're adopted into the family of Yahweh. You're brought in to the body of Messiah. You're translated out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son. And so Satan wanted the same thing. And so he wanted something that would legally make you his son, quote-unquote. Just like when you get born again, you legally, juridically become a son or daughter of the living Elohim. So this is what happens when you become a master mason. You are adopted into the family of Lucifer, whether you know it or not. When you kneel at that altar and you swear an oath, and there is a kind of sort of low-grade illumination that's given every entered apprentice, which is the lowest level of masons you can be. You're kneeling at this altar, and you got your hands on the Holy Bible, square and compasses, even though at the time you don't know it because you're blindfolded. And the worshipful master is reading to you from Genesis 1.1. And when he comes... Well, first there's a thing before that I forgot to say. You, the worshipful master who's like the head of the lodge, he comes down from his throne and stands right in front of you. And he says, you're kneeling there, blah, blah, blah. He says, my brother, in your present condition, what do you most desire? And the fellow who's guiding you whispers in your ear, light. You say, light. Anyway, so that's adoption. Basically, something is done to you. You make a commitment. And Masons, for the most part, do not understand this. But when you kneel at that altar and swear that oath, you have bowed the knee to Baal. Essentially, you have bowed the knee to Lucifer. And at that moment, you're adopted into Lucifer's family, even though you don't understand that. And again, that's how the devil does things. You know, Why should we be surprised? Well, the next step is illumination. And this is when you get to the point that you begin to see the light. This is done through drugs, this is done through meditation, this is done through trance work, and gradually you begin to acquire occult power. Your third eye is opened. That's up here, folks. It's called the Ajna Chakra in Hinduism, and it's believed that this is where you get the sight from. And through all these different disciplines, you gain these occult practices. And you can start seeing spiritual light everywhere, like auras and stuff like that. That's what illumination is.
Then you get to the third stage. And then, at that point, you get into conversation. This is communion with the mighty dead. My, don't that sound fun? You know, you can talk to Plato. You can talk to Nero. You can talk to Aristotle. My, you can even talk to Jesus. Communion with the mighty dead. And these people come into you. They possess you. And the teaching is, the, the metaphor that I was taught, it's like, you know when you buy a new pair of shoes, and even no matter how well they fit, you kind of got to wear them a while to break them in, you know? Well, that's, it's like that with our souls. That these high-level beings, these ascended masters, these great archons of the universe come into you, and at first we're tight like a new shoe, and gradually they push us, they... they they, whatever, I don't know what they do, but anyhow, and sometimes it's literally they push us, and you gradually become more enlightened. Your, your, your consciousness is expanded. You become more and more enlightened, and I'll tell you a true story about this that happened to me. When I was going through some of this stuff, I had a very high-level spirit guide, doctor of divinity, come into me, because I was also a trance medium. And um, this was a very high-level being, supposedly, and I was laying there, you know, with my wife because she was like taking notes and making sure I didn't freak out while I was in this trance state. And all of a sudden, I started breathing real fast and my face started getting really red. I was sweating and I started actually growing physically. My body, you know, I don't know if you ever remember that old TV show, The Incredible Hulk, you know, where he'd started expanding and his shirt would rip. Well, I was wearing this, I felt so bad after the fact. I was, my wife had weighed this beautiful velvet purple robe for me. And, and I just ripped out of it. It was like I hulked out. I swelled up like a tick. And my eyes were just turning red. And I, they looked like they were going to pop out of their sockets. And she was freaking. She didn't know what was going on. It was this high-level guy, you know, coming into me. And but by the time that was over, I had streaks of gray all through my hair. And later on, these wonderful spirit guides told me, oh, well, that experience aged him five years. Now he'll die five years before his time. Gee, thanks, fella. <laughs> I mean, I don't receive that anymore in the name of Yahshua. But, you know, that's how that's supposed to happen. After that, I was much more open to the awesome blandishments of the ascended masters. <laughs>
And so you're becoming one, and I didn't understand this at the time, you're becoming one with a fallen angel. You're becoming one with a celestial being. And I was actually, the ultimate of this is, is I was actually, a, a satanic wedding was performed where I was married to the arch goddess Lilith. And she actually came down, and how many of you heard of Lilith? She is a very nasty, very ancient, demoness, strongman uh, type being. Maybe I should say strong woman. I don't want to be sexist. Uh, anyway, um, and in rabbinical legend, she was the first wife of Adam. And he made her at the same time as he made Adam. Same way, out of the dust of the earth. But she wouldn't submit to Adam. Specifically, she wanted to be on top, to put it delicately. And Adam didn't like that. And he says, I don't like this woman. I want a divorce. And so Yahweh threw her out of the garden and figured he'd make a more compliant partner, so he made Eve out of the rib. You all know that story. Well, anyhow, the story is, is that Lilith was pregnant by Adam. And she was enraged at having been thrown out of this wonderful place into this bleak land outside of the garden's precincts. And when she had the baby, she was on the banks of the Euphrates River, and she took the baby and dashed its brains out on the rocks, just to spite Adam and to spite the Almighty. And out of the baby's brains came all the demons in the universe. And so she's regarded as the mother of all demons, and she's regarded as the patron saint of crib death and abortion, sudden infant death syndrome. In ancient times, the Jewish people, if they were superstitious, even to this day, some of them do this, when they have a new baby, they won't let anybody know what the baby's real name is because if they do, they're afraid Lilith will come and kill it. And they put a plaque over the crib that says Sanvi, Sansanvi, Samengalap. And these are supposedly the names of three very powerful angels that the Almighty assigned to protect babies from Lilith. And they believe by doing this that they will protect their baby from dying like sudden infant death syndrome or whatever. So I got to marry this creature. I tell you, that was one heck of a honeymoon. <coughs> Anyway, the ultimate goal, which fortunately I never got to, is what is called union. And that's when you've done so much of these weird things, so much of this Congress with demons, so much of this succubus. You know, a succubus is a sexual spirit of female nature, an incubus is a sexual spirit of a male nature that comes to you and assaults you in the night. Um, I was well on my way to being totally insane. But what happens in the final state, the fifth stage, is your total consciousness is eclipsed by the demonic. There ain't nothing left, you know, just the demons. 
and you're just totally given over to evil. In, in deliverance, such a person is called perfectly possessed, quote-unquote, that's the term. Although there's nothing perfect about it. What that means is, though, that the, that the person's just so surrendered. Them. I mean, I used to, get, I can remember doing this, and I'm so ashamed of it. I would get down on my knees and beg more demons to come into me. You know, that's how bad, because it was a high. Whenever a new demon would come into me, it was like a real rush. You know, more power, more power, more wisdom. The two blandishments of the occult, power and wisdom. So anyhow, this explains this last couple of stages why there is such a level of unanimity among high-level members of the conspiracy. Because people always make jokes, you know, when, when you talk about this stuff. Uh, you know, conspiracy was, you know, the government can't keep secrets. Nobody can keep these kind of secrets. It's not possible, you know. But what they don't realize is what happens at that stage, at the fourth and fifth level, is you have these demons within you. And they can read your thoughts. They're living in there, you know. Yeah, they got a whole apartment house set up there. You know, there's probably, you know, 1,500 of them. And anyway, if you even start thinking of betraying some secrets, pain, they know just where the pain centers are in the brain. And they can give you pain like you would not even imagine. I mean, forget childbirth, forget kidney stones, forget, you know, having a white hot poker run through your hand. It's like nothing compared to this. <coughs> and so they don't even get to the point where they pick up the phone to call the New York Times and rat out the conspiracy. Either they die of a brain hemorrhage or they behave themselves, one of the two. So that's why there's such unanimity. And the only way you can get out of this is through him. Because, I mean, we've seen this. We've actually seen people who are in this group come to us for deliverance. And until we started seriously praying, you could actually, I mean, blood would start coming out of their ears. Their eyes would start bleeding. Their face would just turn beet red. It's like they were hemorrhaging all over their bodies because the demons inside of them were fighting. And we would pray and ask the Almighty to stop that, and it would. Gee, what a surprise. Prayer works. Hallelujah. You know, because greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. And I don't want any of what I'm saying here today to scare you guys. Because if he can save me out of all this stuff, you know, that's how awesome he is. <laughs>